Where passion, purpose, and skill collide, impact resides. The goal is to live in that intersection. I'm Amy Jo Martin. Welcome to the Why Not Now show. You know that thing you've been thinking about doing? Yeah, that one. Why not now? Have you ever actually taken the time to ask yourself, what's stopping me? Let's talk it through. This is your chance to give that idea the attention it deserves and take action. Each episode, I have a chat with a fascinating person from entrepreneurs to athletes, celebrities, my parents, rocket scientists, and all walks of life. We talk through a critical time when they've asked themselves, why not now? We dissect that day or even that moment, step by step. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Why Not Now show. As we were talking about what to do for this show, we were discussing different guests that could come on the show. We could have listeners, which we've actually recorded some, that will be on future episodes. And what it came down to was we decided it would be best for me to just sit in front of this microphone and get real and get raw and share what I've learned in the last 100 episodes the top 10 things. So I've pretty much done everything I could possibly do today to stall from sitting down in front of this microphone because I feel the pressure of bringing it and making sure this is epic. I've unloaded the dishwasher. I've posted about this on Instagram and I finally sat my butt down in this seat. So it's just you and me today. I've gone through and thought about what is it that I truly have learned from all of these people that I've spoken with, from the last couple of years of going through some major transitions and changes, and applying the knowledge and the lessons that I've received through this podcast from listening to you, from listening to your feedback and your stories And also listening to the guests and what they've been through, it's really been an intentional move to put myself in the listening chair, be the student. And it's been wildly thrilling and so rewarding. I can't even begin to articulate how amazing this process and journey has been. So thank you. Thank you for making it possible. And thank you for showing up. Because without you listening, without your feedback, there would be no podcast, period. I'm also going to share how this all got started because I've really never dove into some of the details and the things that have happened during this kind of transition that I've spoken about. I will hop in to the 10 lessons that I've learned, but first I want to share a little more of my story. 
And in the spirit of being real and raw, first, I'd like to talk about how this all got started during one of the most difficult times in my life. Before we get there, a few quick and very important things to mention before storytelling time. First off, you may have noticed we have a new look. We've remodeled around here. I had asked you to vote on the new album cover art for the podcast, the new image, and you did. So thank you so much. You can see which version won when you check it out on iTunes or Spotify. Secondly, we have a Why Not Now Instagram account. So at Why Not Now on Insta, find us there. A lot of new and amazing things that I've learned and stuff that you maybe didn't catch the first time around too. Oh, and the new album cover art is posted there with a little story about my relationship with photo shoots, which is not necessarily the most enjoyable one. (laughs) How we spend our days is how we spend our lives. For me, being able to design my own day is a non-negotiable. As many of you know, I'm a bit of a time management nerd. So when I find something that allows me to be more efficient and more effective, I want to share it with everyone. So here's the scoop. I have a new tool in my productivity tool belt, and I'm a bit obsessed. It's monday.com. My team and I have never felt more organized, and I have a new sense of perceived control. My to-do list is no longer the boss of me. I feel more in control because every project, initiative, date, and task is captured and organized in one place, and my team is in the loop and involved every step of the way. With Monday.com, it's like I have a brand new operating system. There's no long list, and everything has its own home, its own deadline, its own team member that's assigned and associated, and it's color-coordinated. We all have multifaceted jobs and businesses. There are many components to my business, and each and every one of them has its own compartment. Each division is always one click away. For example, my team and I have a dedicated board for this very podcast. Did you know there are 28 steps involved in getting one podcast to air? It's the same exact process every time. And it's a system. We have the various key steps mapped out as micro tasks. And this allows for my team and I to stay in lockstep every step of the way. With Monday.com, I can zoom out and see the big picture, a roadmap view from 30,000 feet. And a moment later, I can zoom in and focus on a specific micro task within a project, within a division of the company. I could go on and on about the features that Monday.com offers, one of which is I've built my social media content calendar inside of Monday.com. I finally have one that I actually use, that I like, and it's embedded into my overall Google calendar. Another feature that I love is the Google Doc integration. You know I love a good spreadsheet. I can pull them into monday.com and edit them right there versus having 97 tabs open on my computer. If how we spend our days is how we spend our lives, then I can't think of anything more important than using the time in our days wisely. Head to monday.com if you want a free trial. And let me know on social media how it goes for you. Shoot me a DM. We can swap tips and tricks. 
I'm going to jump into the 10 things that I have learned. I've learned a lot more, but let's just narrow it down to 10. You don't have all day, right? And before I get into those, how did the Why Not Now show come to be? Well, it was actually born from one of the darkest times of my life. It's 2016. I'm looking at my bank account online. For the first time, I see seven figures in my personal bank account. I'm an emotionally and physically bankrupt millionaire. And I knew there had to be another way. I knew there must be another way because there was no more going back to what I had been doing before. And I had no idea what that might be. But I was willing to get curious and figure it out. So I started having some conversations with people, people that I've met along my journey, people who have inspired me, that I look up to, and just start listening. And I thought, I wonder if I could start recording these conversations because the advice is invaluable. So then I thought, okay, maybe I actually could do that. You know, why not? And maybe I just ask these people, do you mind if I hit record on my iPhone when we're having these conversations? And then the idea came about to have a podcast. And I thought, okay, let's just do this. It'll be a passion project. I was taking an adult timeout. I was fun employed. I called it fun and unemployed is fun employed because I had just exited my company, which was a very rare way of exiting. And I'll get to that in a minute. And I decided to start a podcast. It was just a passion project that would fulfill me and serve me, feed my interests. And they thought maybe other people would be interested. Well, it turns out they were. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for you for listening, for subscribing weekly and joining me in this adventure. But quite honestly, I did it for myself and I did it with the intention of learning and taking the back seat in terms of being interviewed. And as I went through this process, I realized how amazing it was. It was basically education and therapy (laughs) rolled up into one. And now I kind of do this as a living. I get to learn from these incredible people. But that, that all kind of came to surface later. And I had no idea where this was going. I think partially that's why this podcast and these conversations have resonated with people is that the intention was not to go and promote a business or sell something. It was just literally, hey, I'm really up for learning and putting on the student hat. Maybe you are too. I'll record these and share. It's been a wild ride. So thank you. And to kind of give you some background of how I got to the place where I was not quite sure what to do other than watch the Ellen show when it came on, maybe go to some yoga and try and figure out what I was going to do next. It takes me back a few years prior to that. And I just wrote a post about this that I haven't posted. So I guess it's not a post yet. (laughs) I just wrote a little blurb about my experience that I want to read to you because I was feeling inspired to kind of share more of my why. I've shared bits and pieces of this before, but I think sometimes we need some distance from the actual situation before we can truly understand 
what the lesson was and what the meaning of that experience was. So bear with me. I'm going to read this to you. And then we're going to get on to these lessons. So I wrote this in first person. So as you listen, imagine this is real time and it's in first person. I know it's kind of awkward, but here we go. Renegades write the rules. I'm standing in front of a departure board and can't remember where I'm going or where I am currently. This has become all too common. Not a big deal. But today, it's taking me longer than usual to figure it out. So I scan the list of cities one more time and then give in and check my calendar on my phone for assistance. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm at JFK, headed to Vegas. Here we go again. A gas station, aka Starbucks, is conveniently placed along my path at the airport. It's time to fuel up for the flight with a jolt of caffeine to make up for the four hours of sleep I clocked last night. As I go to sign the receipt for the Starbucks coffee, I pause. No, I actually freeze for an awkward amount of time because I can't remember my name. I walk to a table nearby, sit down, and tears start rolling down my face pretty calmly. This isn't a hysterical sob. It's a holy shit, what have I done and where am I type of sob, a state of shock sob. It's a numbness with a splash of emotion that slips through the gates or cracks from time to time. There's got to be a better way. I know something has to change. Well, it turns out I have a purpose problem. And I have an addiction to success, momentum, positive feedback, fill in the blank. Everything from praise to feeling like a rock star, control, exercise, caffeine, change. I'm addicted to anything that will fuel me from the outside because I don't know how to fuel myself from the inside. The sobering reality is that I'm hitting rock bottom when I can't remember my name. My own identity has even turned on me at this point. I'm hollow and nameless, and I'm sitting at JFK in tears. Before I had left for New York City a few days prior, I had been jogging and listening to Simon Sinek deliver his first TED Talk. He said, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So the goal is not to connect with people who want what you have, The goal is to connect with people who believe what you believe. Wow, I thought, this is different. If you don't know why you do what you do, then how do you expect anyone to follow you, says Simon. I had a million people following me on Twitter at the time, but didn't have a clue why I was doing what I was doing. I quickly committed to the idea that I will figure out why I do what I do. I also realized that when Simon says something, I will listen. A couple months later, I met with Simon. Yep, that's how my life was rolling these days, and it was addicting. If I wanted something, I could make it happen, as long as it was on the outside. Being a superhero of making shit happen, even if it meant forcing things, was intoxicating because anything seemed possible and attainable. 
Well, actually, Simon reached out to me after he read a blog post I wrote and joked about that said, if I could meet anyone, dead or alive, my list would be, number one, Abe Lincoln, number two, my great-great-grandfather, and number three, Simon Sinek. Well, words get around on the internet, apparently, and Simon called my office to speak with me. That's how we originally connected. So our lunch date approaches, and I'm sitting with Simon at a restaurant in L.A. that has one of those paper tablecloths. You know, the kind that they have at Macaroni Grill, so kids can color on the table with crayons. Same here. But this wasn't Macaroni Grill. So Simon sits down, and I quickly press record on my voice notes app on my phone. I was leapfrogging the niceties because I needed help, and this was serious business. The lunch with Simon was a bit of a Hail Mary, and I need to document what he says. So let's level set really quick. Let me give you the state of the union at this point. From the outside looking in, I'm a first-time entrepreneur who's rocking it. The business is already generating seven figures pretty quickly out of the gate. I'm flying private across the globe with some of the world's most famous people who are my clients. I just got a book deal. I'm being interviewed on national TV, and my life is being shared play-by-play to more than a million people daily on social media. So in other words, my ego needs its own suitcase. On the inside and behind the scenes, I'm averaging four hours of sleep a night on 210 flights that year. My marriage is on the rocks with a lot of salt. My team is burning out, and they're not a fan of my, quote, make shit happen philosophy. In many cases, it was forcing things to happen. And my doctor had just found a lump in my breast the size of a golf ball. I seemed to miss that because I was too busy and oblivious. My blood work was way out of whack concerning everyone but me. From the medical professionals to my assistant and my family, I didn't have time for it, though. I didn't have time for all the appointments. They were a pain in my ass, and they were slowing me down. So after the JFK episode, I self-diagnosed, as you do, right? I have a purpose problem. I don't know why I do what I do. It turns out that if you let a purpose problem go for too long untreated, it starts to manifest in your physical body. Good to know. They didn't teach that in business school. So back to lunch with Simon. And I cannot tell a lie. I mentioned business school, but I think I need to edit that as a little aside because I went to Arizona State University and I got my undergrad in biz, not my master's business school. So don't be fooled. I don't have an MBA. But anyway, back to the story. So Simon, I need you to help me find my why is what I said to him first. Luckily, Simon isn't one for small talk either. So he was cool with me leapfrogging the BS and we went straight to the root, the systemic issue, my purpose problem. Simon says, what's your earliest childhood memory? Well, the pressure of coming up with the right answer to the question that could possibly save my life set in. I answered and crossed my fingers. I said, it was the first time I remember snow skiing. I was with my dad at the top of a mountain. The top, Simon said. Didn't you go to the bunny slope first? It was the first time you skied, right? Nope. My dad is an expert skier, and we went straight to the top, from what I recall. So you weren't scared. On a black diamond, Simon inquires, 
skeptically. I was with my dad, and he told me to make a pizza to slow down and make fries to go fast with my skis. I was too little to even have poles, so he just literally picked me up between his skis when it became too hard or scary. Simon said, has it ever occurred to you that you always skip the bunny slope in life, Amy Jo? I paused. Well, doesn't everyone? And then Simon says something to me that has impacted my life from that moment forward. He said, no, they don't actually. And maybe your why is to help other people do difficult things, like getting down steep mountains, black diamonds, just as you've been doing for your clients. And maybe you need to let other people help you down too like your dad did helping you. My mind was blown. I knew with every ounce of my being, this was my why. I crave difficulty. And I love helping people do the impossible. Yet sometimes I crash and fall when I don't let other people help me do the impossible. We've discovered the cure to my purpose problem epidemic, and we're literally only 10 minutes into our lunch. That's it. You did it. Thank you. That's my why. I gave Simon a high five of gratitude, and I'm ready to get the check to head out on my merry way straight to the tattoo parlor for my Black Diamond life stamp as a memento. I almost stopped recording the conversation right then on my iPhone, but Simon says, oh no, that's not how this works. You need to try this why on. You'll know if it's your why as time goes on and it may take years. Deflated, I nod and pretend to follow Simon's orders. Secretly, you know, I'm going to make this why happen. Pretty sure I actually hear the universe giggling at me when I think that. That's not how this works. Then Simon says, we need to find some sort of token for you to remember this conversation and the why you now have on audition. Let's go for a walk. So we walk around the groves in LA. Simon takes me into this bookstore and somehow knows exactly where the book Man's Search for Meaning is located. It's a book by Viktor Frankl, and it's incredible. He buys me two copies, one for me, one for me to give to someone else. At this point, I'm wondering if Simon is some modern-day Buddha. The book revolves around having a why. Then we walk through the shops, and he pulls me into a MAC makeup store. The makeup artists witness Simon take a black eyeliner pencil on display and draw a diamond on my wrist. There, he said, now you will have something to remind you of our conversation about your potential why. I also had a recording of it on my phone, but this makes for a great scene in the story nearly eight years later. So it turns out... That was my why. That is my why. A couple of years later, I actually did get a tattoo of a diamond on my wrist in the same spot Simon drew on my wrist. Untangling my situation was very difficult. A steep mountain. Many people helped me down. Every time I get down a black diamond, my mission continues to be to go straight back to the top and guide others down the steep lesson-filled terrain too. One renegade at a time. I'm still getting used to having other people help me down. And that will be a lifelong journey. So a lot has happened 
from my lunch with Simon to now, what I know for sure is that your path will twist and turn. Mine did. Mine does. Your why is like a boomerang. It will keep finding you. Even when you drift away, even when you forget, even when you lose hope or focus, you can't lose it though. So when it keeps coming back is when you know you've found your why. So that's what I wrote. Back to normal Amy Jo here who is not reading anymore. What's interesting to me is that I was comfortable in writing that. And what I haven't been as comfortable doing is sharing, well, what happened from the time that I met with Simon to the time that I started the podcast in 2016. So after meeting Simon, I was disenchanted with almost everything I was doing from a business standpoint. But I had grown this company and I had an amazing team that was like family. And so I doubled down and recommitted to trying to just make it work. Um, But my heart just truly wasn't into it as much anymore because I'd been painting this picture and the outside wasn't really matching the inside. The delta between who I was and who I thought I should be, which was who people thought I was, (laughs) was becoming bigger and bigger. And that gap kept expanding. So I held on for a couple more years. The company continued to grow incredibly. We had many employees, 10 of which were in other countries, 10 different countries, It got to a point where I just honestly couldn't do it anymore. It was either the company or me. There were some conversations being had about the company being acquired, and um, it would have been a huge exit. It also would have taken several years because I would have had to um, be a part of a buyout process. And and also, I just wasn't ready for that. I, I wasn't willing to spend that time continuing to do something that was so out of alignment with me. So I did one of the toughest things I've ever done, and I wound up my company. I cashed out. I closed the business. I had to let my team know. These people that had been working so hard and that I loved, they were like family, and I had to let clients know, and I had to pay investors back. I closed shop And it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. A company that was my baby. It was profitable from day one. We were seven years in. From the outside looking in, nobody understood this. People were so shocked. For me, it was either me or the company at that point. I um, haven't really talked about this publicly before, but I was extremely depressed. I was definitely cocktailing too much, not sleeping enough, not eating right or eating enough, period. And that's a recipe and cocktail for disaster right there. And I pissed a lot of people off. Frankly, I became a bit of an asshole and maybe not even a bit. So when it came to starting this new project, I was in dire straits and I was also, my hands were in the air, full surrender. Like, I'm not doing that again. I winded up the company and that took nearly a year from an accounting and a financial and legal standpoint. Investors were involved. We had many clients, obviously a lot of employees, 
And that was like a slow funeral kind of. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do. Moved on to a boat with my now husband for a year and basically called adult timeout. Simplified my life, got rid of everything I could and realized I didn't need to take that so literally to simplify my life. But it really did help because um, you realize how little you really need. So I've just been getting into alignment with myself and catching up on sleep. So this project that's turned into now a full-time focus and priority for me has been a dream come true. And I just want to thank you because there is another way. This has been a big catalyst for me living and believing that, but also in allowing me to um, live life the way I want and not doing what I think I should be doing or what my ego thinks I should be doing. So thank you. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Are you ready for change? Or maybe you're already in a season of expansion. As we embrace this new decade, are you ready to take action on your own Why Not Now idea? Maybe that means starting the company, launching the podcast, writing the book, or doing more public speaking, injecting your why into what you are doing. At the end of the day, that is exactly what creates connection. And connections convert. My life work is to help guide women through this very stage in their life. I do this through the Renegade Brand Bootcamp. It truly is the career love of my life. The reason I love this program so much is because I'm able to create a mosaic, a collection of like-minded, like-hearted, driven women who come together to level up. They learn the renegade mentality directly from me, and I share everything I've learned over the past 20 years in business. It's equal parts education, collaboration, accountability, and community. We are accepting applications for our 2020 program, and you are welcome to go check everything out about the program at renegadebrandbootcamp.com. And as a very first step, just sign up for my five-day email series. I uncover all of the questions about the bootcamp and help you understand if it's right for you. We've had some incredible women come through the program and you will hear from them as well. You can check out the curriculum, the structure, the vibe, and everything in between. Many years ago, I went to Mark Cuban and asked him for investment advice. I thought I was going to get some real estate or stock market type of advice. Instead, he said, invest in yourself. Invest in your own growth. Invest in yourself. Bet on yourself. This is the best ROI you will ever find. If you're at that point where you are ready to take action, head to renegadebrandbootcamp.com. What I've learned, and you've probably heard me say this before on this podcast, is that where passion, purpose, and skill collide, bliss resides impact resides. And for so long, I had a deficit in that purpose category. And also my passions would ebb and flow just as they do with everyone. Sometimes we go through a drought with passion and our skills. Sometimes we're more confident in our skills than other times, but it's that purpose that 
that sees us through. It's the purpose that makes things sustainable during those droughts. And without it, it's very difficult to have a situation that you can maintain over a long period of time. And living in that intersection of where passion, purpose, and skill collide has become my target. It's become my goal. And that's what I want to do for other people is to help them live in that intersection. And I feel that that can be difficult at times. Sometimes it means going down a black diamond slope and having a guide to help navigate that sometimes rough terrain or messy terrain at times. And it doesn't always have to be that way. And that's what I've found is that there are so many different ways that we can arrive there, but oftentimes we need a guide just like Simon Sinek guided me and all the mentors after. I share that story with you because, A, hopefully it'll help you understand all of my cryptic, I just went through a transition mentions that I have been throwing out there for a while. I think the transition's over and I need to stop saying that. And also, I appreciate the fact that I feel comfortable enough to say that to all of these thousands of people that are listening to this show, I do feel a connection with you. And, um, you know, I've had my guard up a bit. And so why not let it down? Why not now? Right. And, and it's been a humbling season, but also a season of huge expansion and self-reflection. So I do feel like a different person and a little bit, um, like I've done a 180. We tackle the most taboo topics on the Why Not Now show. Oftentimes, you're hearing guests share things they've never shared before. In the spirit of things we don't typically talk about, you should know that the Why Not Now show is supported by Poopery, the original before-you-go toilet spray. It's magic. My friends at Poopery have literally taken the smell out of you-know-what. This pure blend of essential oils stops bathroom odor before it begins. Visit poopery.com and Why Not Now listeners get 20% off with code Why Not Now. That's all one word. And you can hear the story about Poopery in our interview with founder Susie Batiste. That's Why Not Now episode 28. Poopery is also available at Target. Okay, I'm toggling over to my Evernote right now that has my 10 lessons. And it's actually a great transition because the number one thing I have written down is redream, redo, reinvent, rebrand. This is something that is not just specific to me by any means. I do feel like I've been going through that process, call it what you want, but I have come across so many people who listen to this show and who have also been on this show as a guest who are ready for that completely different thing in their life. They're ready to redream. They've done what they want to do and they're ready to change that up. Or they want something different and maybe they realized their ladder has been leaning against the wrong wall, so to speak. They've been climbing the wrong ladder. And I know I did that a couple of times. I've had some career pivots a couple of times 
not completely a departure, one from the other, except for this one's been a little bit different. But I guess after a couple times, I've I figured after moving my ladder from wall to wall, <laughs> I just need to get rid of the friggin' ladder. How about that? And it's okay to do that. We live in a day and age where it's pretty darn easy to shift course in a big way, right? So that has been a a big aha to me uh, that if you're feeling that way, you're not alone. And it's 100% possible to do a 180 with your career, with your path, with your livelihood. I was just this past weekend in Dallas, Texas with my mastermind group, the um, Renegade Brand Boot Camp group. It's 10 individuals who are all in this inflection point of their their lives and their careers. And we had women who have their PhD and or they're on their way to get a PhD and they're ready to redream. I mean, that's a big commitment to change course after investing that amount of time to actually getting your doctorate. Women who have their engineering degree and been on that path and decide to do something completely different and everything in between. So I guess it's just a reminder. It's a-okay to change it up and shift course and keeping an open mind, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable are two tools that will pay dividends in getting through this process. So for the second lesson, I have written down pedestal problem. (laughs) And I know in my life, I have this reoccurring situation where I put people on pedestals and they could be people who have been influential in my life. They could be, uh, you know, people from afar that I've seen do incredible things It could be just the flavor of the day of whoever I think is just owning it and has it all figured out. I put them on pedestals, and when we do that, those people have a further way to fall, a further distance down to crash and burn. And it's not their problem. I put them up there. Um, But I've seen this happen, too, with people I've spoken with the last couple of years, not only guests, but also listeners and friends and um, my community, we tend to do this. It's so easy to look out, see someone who's doing what we want, put them up there, and then we realize, oh shit, they're actually human too. And we also have this way of kind of devaluing our own credit and uh, legitimacy, I think, sometimes when we put people so much higher. So that was one lesson. You know, some of these podcast episodes, the last 99, you would be shocked to know how the different guests have performed in terms of downloads and numbers and just resonating with with you. Some of the people that you had never heard their name before have been the top performing shows versus the celebrities that you might recognize their names. So um, it just kind of goes to show it's all kind of in our hands of who we decide to lift up there and put on those peaks and mountains. And, and oftentimes it's, it's pretty cool to learn and have a role model maybe, but, um, don't put them too high up there because that's just more the distance that they have to fall because they eventually will fall because humans are 
messy and we make mistakes. Lesson number three, run a one horse race. So what does that mean? It means that when we are competing with the best version of our future selves, we're doing ourselves a favor (laughs) versus competing with other people, other things. I think this is something that we all have different capacities and variations of uh, application with. It's There's a quote by Teddy Roosevelt. He said, comparison is the thief of joy. And uh, one thing I've learned from so many interviews and having conversations with some incredible people is that in most cases, they aren't looking around to see what everybody else is doing. They're hyper-focused on their own path, what they want to do, and doing it their own way. And oftentimes, people will say to me, I hear feedback, I hear, you know, I hear comments on social media and questions about, yeah, I want to go into this space, but I see so many people doing it. And my response is, yes, there's zero room for you to do what everybody else is doing or what anyone else is doing. And you must do it your own way because that's not being done. So it's just a great reminder of being intentional about being yourself and doing it your own way. Because there's a lot of repetition, there's a lot of noise, and a lot of duplication. And there's no room for more of that because it's being done. So you got to do it your own way. Number four, I have written down no more boxed plans. (laughs) So what does that mean? No more five-year, ten-year specific plans. I've realized it's important to have a vision. Yes, absolutely. But I really do better when it comes to mini sprint goals. So I'm not mapping out the next five years or 10 years because I think that feels limiting and it feels just like I'm in a box. (laughs) But I have stretch goals for sure. Just not an exact plan. I'm done with that. I'm, I'm done with trying to reverse engineer some preconceived notion that I made up five years prior when I didn't have the knowledge and wisdom to really know what I want in five years. So, yeah, I'm, I'm letting go of that one. Um, yes, our visions shift, and pretty often we find that um, as long as we can stay true to now, things work out pretty darn well. So I'm letting go of that whole five-year plan. In fact, someone just asked me yesterday, what does it look like for you in 10 years? And I couldn't answer him. I hadn't even thought of that because it's just not part of my roadmap anymore. I think it's, it's cool to have goals and things you want to shoot for, but that changes so often that we can get kind of glued down to some sort of blueprint that we don't even want anymore. So, yep, I'm into the mini sprint goals. And so that's one of the things I learned. No more boxed plans. Lesson number five, the single best thing 
I can do to help myself is to find my tribe, have the right tribe, have the right group of people around me, the right community, the right friends, family, supporters, like-minded individuals. We know this intuitively, but when we don't practice it and then we switch and we do start practicing it, it becomes very apparent. And I will be completely honest with you, calling myself out. I live in the forest and my husband and I and our dog, we have a wonderful situation here. And it took us a while to meet people and it's our own fault. (laughs) We live out here, work from here, don't have kids yet. And it's easy to get stuck into your own routine and not meet people. And I had it in my head that because we live in kind of a rural, remote area that there weren't entrepreneurs around and there aren't people that are like us and that believe what we believe and and have the same interests. And that's just bullshit. We just weren't trying to find them. So, And also, I don't know that we were actually being true to ourselves. If you listen to the podcast and you heard Tony Shea, the CEO of Zappos, who is also a friend of mine, has been a mentor, he's been an investor in my company in the past. He has said, be unapologetically true to yourself and your tribe will find you. Period. Full stop. Wow. If if you can do that, if you can be unapologetically true to yourself, you can just rely on the fact that your tribe will find you. And I think that that's something that we kind of maybe know, but we don't practice. And I say we, and I mean me. (laughs) So I'm finally getting um, my roots planted here where I live and I take full responsibility. I haven't even tried or I hadn't even tried, but it's happened. It's made a complete difference in my experience and where I live. So got to find your tribe. It's a non-negotiable for success, but most importantly for significance. Lesson number six, I talk about this often, but I'm going to say it again because it's that important to me. When I really want something to happen, I don't give myself an out. I find a way to hold myself accountable find some sort of mechanism to make myself follow through. And this is a common theme of everyone that I've interviewed who is an expert in getting from idea to action. What does this mean? It means buying the ticket. It means scheduling the meeting to have that critical conversation with someone. It means sending the email on a whim to someone that... You're not sure how they're going to respond, or maybe you don't even know them, but you know you should. So Tony Robbins came on the podcast, and as I'm interviewing him, he talked about this quote, which I thought he came up with, but I actually think it might be a Julius Caesar quote after doing some research. But Tony is a really well-branded dude, so maybe it is his, but it goes like this. If you want to take the island, you burn your boat. Don't give yourself an out. And it's the quickest way to push yourself over that starting line, to get yourself into the green light, into the go section, 
and you just make it happen. You figure it out. I find myself a lot lately committing to something or announcing something, and I don't even know how it's going to happen yet. I don't know exactly what the plan is, but I know I will make it happen because it's in flow and it's where my passion and my purpose and my skill collide. So as long as those things are aligned, you're pretty good to go because we can reverse engineer the nonlinear way of thinking and our behavior versus having to have everything mapped out. And I now trust this process. I didn't before, but it does work. So how can you burn your boats today? Rule number seven is all about the ego. And hopefully I'm developing a healthier relationship with my ego. We all have an ego and we need them. They're not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, I've had many people on the show who have talked about ego. Ryan Holiday wrote the book, Ego is the Enemy. And he talks about the question of, do you want to be the important person or do you want to do the important things? Wow. That's quite a a question to ask yourself. And I said to him, how do you know or what can you do if you are in one camp, you've been wanting to be the important person and you're ready to switch camps and you want to move over to being more aligned with doing the important things. And he said, the first thing you can do is ask yourself, what is my relationship with credit? Meaning, what is my relationship with me getting credit for doing certain things? And I thought that was pretty epic because it's a really good question to ask yourself when you're wanting a good filter and understanding of where your ego is. Also, Martha Beck, who is Oprah's life coach, has been on the show, and she talks about the fact that we are in one of two operating systems. We're either operating out of love or we're operating out of ego. So I ask her, how do you know when you're in one or the other, and what do you do to get out of it? And she said, first, you really take a look around and you evaluate whether or not your behavior has been driven by grasping and you're reaching, grasping for something. That's a good indication that you're operating out of your ego. So those are two specific pieces of advice that I've been applying and hopefully they come in handy for you too. Number eight. So my note says vulnerability, period. That's all I wrote down. I think 2018 has been the year of vulnerability, and I'm using air quotes, but you can't see me, but I am doing that because that term and that word just gets gets thrown around a lot, and it annoys me a little bit. However, I, I get it. I understand the worth and the value of vulnerability. And I think I've experienced that firsthand. And that's why I say that it's become another, just it's had another meaning when it comes to social media, where I think sometimes we can kind of jump the shark a bit and almost you feel like people are being vulnerable, using air quotes again, because they think it will get them somewhere versus actually sharing for the sake of wanting to help someone else. And when I 
wrote this down, I thought of a couple of things. I thought of the fact that I've shared areas of my life on this podcast and with you that I have not shared before. And historically, it's been very comfortable for me to put up these walls and these sections and compartmentalize my life in terms of business in one area and everything else in a completely different area with a big, huge wall between. It's pretty freeing to break that barrier down. So there was a podcast episode where I talked about my fertility journey and brought on a very good friend and we had a a discussion about women in this day and age and fertility and the research and the statistics and the personal experiences. And that was something I would have never imagined doing. And I did it and it was freeing. And not only that, it actually brought out so many stories that people had never shared. And it's amazing how when one person shares, it just opens the floodgates and it it gives a bit of a free pass for other people to feel like they can talk about something too. Number nine, I talk a lot on this show about knowing when to make things happen versus let them happen. It's one of my top questions that I ask guests because I am trying to learn. (laughs) I would like to be schooled in this subject. And I've learned a lot tactically from people who have come on the show, specifically one situation where Laird Hamilton told me that he rewards his intuition even when it does little things, in order to train it to serve up bigger pieces of knowledge and intuition, just decision-making. And what I mean by that is, for example, if your gut says order the tacos instead of the salad, order the tacos, and your intuition will be rewarded. And next time, your intuition will help you through something bigger than tacos versus salad. I know it's simple and I'm breaking it down, but I've been practicing this and trust me, it works. If you would have asked me a couple of years ago, what does your gut say? What does your intuition say? I would have said, should we get out a magic eight ball or a Ouija board? Because I don't know what you're talking about. I did not subscribe to this whole woo-woo gut thing, and I thought it was BS, and I was so wrong. So it's been a process, and I've been cautiously optimistic and cautiously stepping into this idea of understanding the science of our physiology and body intelligence. If you've listened to the show, you've heard Susie Batiste, my mentor, on the show. And we talk a lot about this because she's been training me and uh, she's been my guide. So that intuition thing's important. It used to be that I would force things to happen and make them happen because out of sheer will, I knew I could do it. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. Oftentimes I would run into challenges and problems. I would wipe out or burnout because I was making things happen 
to the extreme to where I was forcing instead of letting things happen. Big difference. I could go on and on, but that's my lesson. And number 10 is all about kindness. So the very first episode of this podcast was with Mark Cuban, and I asked him for his number one negotiating tip. He said to me, nice is way undervalued right now. It's one of the most valuable assets out there. If you double down on being kind and being nice, your ROI will pay dividends. If you are digging this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It just takes a moment and it means a ton to us. Also, after recording more than 100 episodes, I've created a bit of a cheat sheet on the top five things I've learned from renegades and how they get from idea to action, from dreaming to doing. I will email you the downloadable PDF when you subscribe to my newsletter. Just head to amyjoemartin.com and click on connect with me. everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. Hit me up on social media to let me know what you think. I'm at Amy Jo Martin on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I want to hear your why not now moments so I can share them on the show. Just send me a note to why not now at amyjoemartin.com. For show notes and other offers, you can visit amyjoemartin.com forward slash why not now. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email newsletter for exclusive content and announcements. A big thanks to Rock Salt Music for all of the tunes by the talented John Coggins. And of course, a hat tip to Richard Gruer for editing and producing the show. I'll see you next time. And until then, why not now? (laughs) 